Voices of VR podcast. Hello, my name is Ken Pai, and welcome to the Voices of VR podcast. It's a podcast that looks at the potentials of immersive storytelling and the future of spatial computing. You can support the podcast at patreon.com slash Voices of VR. So continuing on my series of different experiences from Tribeca Immersive 2023, today's episode is about Emoji, which is from the Smartphone Orchestra. So the Smartphone Orchestra is by Stea Halema, who started to bring people together to explore different musical exploration. So using the speakers on people's smartphones and all synchronized to be able to create these musical compositions. And then at some point started to collaborate with Anagram, supported by Casper Sonnen of DocLab to start to explore some of the other social dynamic potentials that you can start to do when you have a bunch of people in the same room with their phones and what kind of interactive social dynamics they can start to play around with. And so this piece called Emoji with three eyes, Emoji, was a piece that was using emojis as a way of communicating what your favorite emojis are or having little charade games with people or creating different clusters and just a lot of different interactive ways. It's sort of like an icebreaker event. You're getting anywhere from 50 to 100 people together, all having this synchronized experience by using their phone web browsers and interacting with each other and exploring different stories and narratives around how we communicate with emojis and exploring this alternative language in the context of how do you start to create these different moments of cohesion and emergent dynamics with people. So that's what we're covering on today's episode of the Voices of VR podcast. So this interview with Stea happened on Sunday, June 11th, 2023 at Tribeca Immersive in New York City, New York. So with that, let's go ahead and dive right in. So I'm Stea. I think my job is called the creative director or an artist and I would say my niche as a creator director is creating stories that are about the person that is undergoing the story which essentially is an experience so then I would be an experience designer but that doesn't really cover it as well so it's all these words together great and so maybe you could give a bit more context as to your background and your journey into doing this intersection of experiential design, creative art making, and with the smartphone orchestra. Sure, sure. So if I start with the start, like my father is a magician. My mother was an art teacher. So like it's a very creative family. Doing creative stuff was always, like as a kid, my identity, I think. I was a nerd in primary school, but then I had some status because I could play guitar and draw and stuff. And that kind of informs the rest of your life, in a way, I think. Uh, so eventually I went to art school and I really was into music. So I was always playing guitar and at a certain point got into electronic music. I bought a sampler, started making beats and stuff. And then I got into art school and yeah, tried to work on stuff that I thought was inspiring. Like very broad, the art school I did was a combination of art school and the conservatory. So I studied music and art at the same time and to find ways to combine these, not per se music and image, but like sound and image or smell and image, you know, it was like super multidisciplinary. One of the earlier educations that really did that, at least in Holland. And at the same time, I was part of a group called Pips Lab. And we were basically just these boys from a village close to Amsterdam that couldn't play soccer. So we had to find other ways to impress girls. And that was being creative. And that became kind of a really weird, quirky, multimedia theater collective, which we kind of hit on a niche. And this was like 90s, beginning 2000s. 
one of us was doing interaction design. We kind of were maybe one of the first theater groups that put a computer on stage. So we had a couple of dogmas, like, for example, we wanted to unsheep the audience already in, I don't know, 99, 2001, 2003. Like finding ways to involve the audiences in ways. And also we had a dogma that every image that you see projected on stage should be made on stage. And there were intuitions, dramaturgical intuitions to make it something that actually really happening. And because when the computer came, you know, it gave us so much freedom, but it's also quite easy to make something slick that just runs. And especially film is so engaging, you know, you just look at it and you don't look what's happening on stage anymore. So that was happening in my life. And in parallel, I became a musician. I like my beats became songs. And all of a sudden people were responding to the songs. I got invited to put my record out at a label and it was put out and I did a lot of music. And trying to sell music is super difficult and it's probably even more difficult now because you compete with a lot of people that are able to make music now because you have all these tools. And you compete through the growth in distribution media. You compete with all the music that's ever made in the world. So it's actually really hard. So you have to try hard to sell it. And the ruses I came up with to sell it were actually kind of mostly digital weird jokes because we were doing that with Pipslab, the theater group I was in. And at a certain point I realized like the digital tricks I'm doing, they are more successful or at least I reach more people than the music because it's so novel. For example, I made a music video, a VR video in 2014 where I do transitions with a hula hoop, which was, I think, a great find because it was a transition in space, but also very much involving the player, the then spectator, because there's a 360 video. And that video was like a worldwide hit, you know, while my label was struggling to get interviews. So at a certain point I realized like, oh, this is too difficult. And actually I didn't even think it, that music video was so successful that I, all of a sudden I was like a very successful creative director flying around the world, creating VR, like riding that 2015, 2016 VR wave and creating lots of bullshit, <laughs> which I had fun with. So how did the smartphone orchestra come about then? The smartphone orchestra was also one of these ruses to, uh, sell my music. It is a bit bigger than that. I think as a musician, it's actually very institutionalized how you sell yourself. Like you have to be this interesting character that can play music, something really well. Like it's all about you. And trying to sell that music, I had certain point I got so fed up with that being institutionalized in every marketing thing that it should be about me, that I got really fed up with that. I also, I had quite a serious disease for a very short time before I made it up and I remember sitting in the hospital and seeing all of a sudden I feel like wait a second everyone is gonna die we're like this is it so that was kind of like an insight that did something to what I found important to share in life or something and I felt like sharing life here now with everyone is maybe the only thing that really matters or something plus it was a cool ruse to see if I could sell myself again as an artist and then a friend of mine, he's a set designer, and he made this very interesting and cool set. It was basically 40 helium balloons with speakers underneath, just as kind of a set. But he wasn't the sound guy at all. So I saw it and I said like, hey, I can make music for this. Because I just made music and sound for a haunted house and I had this 10 speaker setup. So I put the speakers in my studio, connected them to my 10 speaker setup, 
and started making music for that and it was so cool to do because it was also freeing up for another institutionalization the song like mixing with two speakers always in stereo I had 40 speakers I would like record all kinds of stuff distributed in the room walk through it leave it on the whole night lock my studio come back the next morning and walk into my creation instead of having to listen to that same old speakers all the time so that was very inspiring and then I took the train one day from Amsterdam to Utrecht that was 2014 so everyone's looking at these phones now like this was like a new phenomenon and then I realized wait a second there's a speaker in that and through the internet we must be able to synchronize this phone so I could make something that I'm trying to create in my studio with phones and that was just such an Eureka, and then you can sleep and you really want to pursue it and do it. And I got some money from an art fund in Amsterdam. I found some people that wanted to help me and we started to build the first prototype. It was entirely a musical idea. And yeah, that's when we started. Okay, so yeah, I had a chance to see your latest smartphone orchestra orchestration or what do you call it, composition or an experience? What do you usually I call it? It's an experience now because like, I think what was really important for the smartphone orchestra is that at a certain point, a much bigger idea than just like having a lot of sounds coming from lots of places emerged and that is like that you can tell stories with the audience instead of to them that we have a tool to really involve groups of people and I think that idea is very big and I don't think a lot of people see it yet because like we are social creatures we want to do stuff together and we all have phones and we will have something like a phone for probably the rest of history as that hopefully takes will last long so there's this potential to do games, to have experience, to meet each other, and that's something that we're trying now. And so emoji, I think it's an experience, it's a group experience, an interactive group experience. That's about right. How would you call it? Like you have all this experience interviewing people. Yeah, I definitely think that it's a social dynamic experience at the core because you have everybody with their phones. There's an element of emoji which is about language and communication, and so it's all the ways that people have their own association with these emojis, but you're creating these dynamic, emergent social interactions with people clustering up with each other, finding in-group, out-group dynamics based upon different meanings of emojis or favorite emojis, but then there's a lot of pairing off, so there's like a one-on-one -on -one experiences where you have a little bit more of a dialectic conversation between people that emerges, and so there's different phases of it, but at the core there is music that happens that there are certain moments while seeing the experience that everybody's phones synchronize at the same time. And so being immersed into this chorus of spatialized audio from these cell phone speakers, which are not like high fidelity like you would see in a theater, but there's somewhere between 75 to 100 people that were in that room all at the same time. You get this sense of deep immersion into like this sound field. And sometimes all the sound field was the same. Sometimes it was playing different sounds. So it was just like this exploration of both the social dynamics, but also the musical element. But for me, the core of it was interacting with other people and the different emergent social dynamics for people that I either knew from the industry already or people that I didn't know. And so there was revealing of certain aspects of their character based upon what emojis they associated with or what they were feeling in the moment. And also an opportunity to connect with complete strangers. So there's a lot of emergent dynamics, I'd say, in the piece. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we can take a step back for a smartphone orchestra and say like what number piece is this that you created here with emoji and when did you start to create some of these different social experiments with music well like i would say there's categories of pieces so i think we created like three real musical pieces like the smartphone orchestra based on a musical idea 
Then we're in the phase of creating our fifth smartphone orchestra experience with an orchestra, actually. I would really like to elaborate later about what we're doing with the score, with the Metropole Orchestra. So that's five. And then this is kind of like our third category, interactive work. We made the Circle of Truth, the Truth Analytics, and now this. So this is our fourth group experience piece. So that makes a total of seven plus five, 12 pieces now. So you have 12 that you've finished and you might be working on some other ones, but there's a number of different genres. So you have the social dynamics and music. What was the third one? Well, basically there's music, then there's us with orchestras, which is in the middle, and then there's real interactive group experiences. And that's what we're focusing mainly on now. So doing it with an orchestra is quite difficult and we're creating a really cool new piece, but that's really a sidetrack. Like we mainly focus on interactive group experiences that bond people. So yeah, I wanted to ask because you started with the music and I can see the roots of being a musician, the types of experiments that you were doing with the piece. And there were some musical moments that stuck out for me as being like a unique musical experience, but primarily the center of gravity for me was the social dynamics that were emerging. And so at what point did you realize that there was some interesting social things that you could start to play with, with the smartphone orchestra? So the first one we did, I think for real, was work that we created together with Anagram. Like I was always talking to Casper Sonne, the head of content, I think, from ITVA, who is a very visionary guy. And I was always talking to him about the potential of the smartphone orchestra and like to make it interactive. And then he was in this program of coupling up like artists. So we worked together with May and Amy from Anagram. We were like together really exploring like, okay, if we give the audience assignments, what happens then? That was like hugely successful and cool. Like we've played that piece like many times. And we basically, we gave people the assignment to sing, to make words. At a certain point, they all have to sing kind of in a different rhythm that combines together. And then we work towards that they learn a word. And that word is actually a sentence. And at the end, they have to put away their phones and they have to say the sentence, which is super easy. But that's basically the plot. We're so dependent on our phones that even like doing something simple as that, we almost struggle to figure it out which I really like because the plot is not a story plot, it's an interactive plot. It's really making you aware, like, wait a second, are we able to do this? Which is really what I'm out to discover, I think. Also with Emoji, I think we took a big step in creating a way of telling the story that it's very loose, but still, it's engaging, but still loose. And that's a design challenge we, we were trying to solve because if I guide you by the phone, I need your attention on the phone. But then kind of like my goal is to bring you in contact with someone else because you could say the smartphone orchestra is a form of contact art. And then you are talking, so how do I bring you back to the phone? And I think that's a craft that we're slowly trying to learn, to do that as so clear and forgiving that even if you miss, you can still continue and it kind of works. So yeah, I think like the real beauty is in the chaos and creating organized chaos. Yeah, I really appreciated how the fact that emojis are a form of communication that people use, and sometimes there's different meanings of emojis that people have, or people have their favorite emojis. And so what was the moment that was a catalyst for you to focus on emojis as the primary mode of communication and interaction in this piece called emoji? Emoji came a bit, mostly I don't start before I feel like I have like a story or an idea kind of with really perfectly fits a form. And emoji was 
It was actually just an idea we had when we were trying to make another piece. We were asked by Lauren, who was then the curator of Tribeca Immersive, to create a piece for Tribeca. But then it was 21 and we couldn't get into the country, so we had to abandon it. And one of the ideas we were working on was emoji, actually. It was just an idea of engaging people. I have one emoji on my phone screen and you have four. And then you have to guess which emoji I'm mimicking with my face, because I'm trying to do the emoji that's on my phone. And then it couldn't happen and we were all super disappointed. And then we felt like, but we should at least like make a good prototype out of this idea. And we did, and it was fun. And then I kind of like had to find like what we really wanted to say with it later, which is not how I work normally. Normally, like I, I really like have that form and structure very tight together before I start. So then you dive into emoji and you realize that there's eight companies coming up with what emojis we're going to talk with which is also weird and I think something we should be aware of that there's companies basically creating the language that we are communicating in so I thought that's a strong point so I think most of our works that we do at Smartphone Orchestra are kind of like technology critical but then in a silly way because we have to be silly because otherwise we don't engage people so that's I think a layer that was important for us to do it's also the exploration like how can we get people together? How can we make them meet in a way that's meaningful if we have the chance? Because we were discovering during all these smartphone orchestra pieces that people actually really appreciate this. That being this icebreaker that connects all these people out of socially accepted frames that we all are functioning in. We can break them out and you can connect in a different way. I think one of the motivations for the piece is also that I as an artist at this moment feel that stuff we really need right now is stuff that makes us feel that we belong together as humans as much as possible whereas in the last century we're really defining what art was i think that is luckily long gone then art often is like people really having this drive to express themselves for many motivations and yeah i think like good art could also be like bringing people together right now to finding rituals to connect especially in the technological realm where like now it's so clear that technology is so able to drive us apart. We need to counter that. You mentioned the icebreak component of this piece where you have people choose your favorite emoji or you provide a question and then people are answering in an emoji and then they're showing it to people around them. And it's a way of seeing how you have these emergent connections with people. So I'd love to hear how you think about the journey that you're taking people on with connecting people and then having these games and then what the overall arc is? Good question. So it started with the game, but then we felt like people needed to... This was very much an intuitive process, I realize now. So it's first, it's kind of a quiz, you know, like what is appropriate, which is the right emoji, what would you choose in this? And you do that very collectively. That always feels like a very strong start, you know, that it's not individual straight away, that you feel like, hey, wait a second, we are a group. That was important. And then you do the story thing. So you form a group and you have to like fantasize a little bit. It felt needed to put a little bit of creativity and like your own personality into it as a way to easily open up. Because otherwise the game would be too much a game and there's not enough human connection yet, I guess. Because that's really what we're exploring as well. Like how can we like really make people connect in a good way, which is also like it's hard. There's this design challenge. How do you make a shoe that fits everyone? So I can be this hippie that's super extrovert and wants to meet everyone, but some people are not. So you, you have to tailor to that as well. 
So the arc of the piece is the quiz, the collective quiz. Then it's the story where you become a group, which is nice because it becomes a little bit more like, hey, we're together here. It creates also like you can talk about like your relationship with emojis, which also gets you more invested. And then you do the game, which is kind of time pressured and it's fun and people make funny faces to each other. And then we try to like in between also create moments of connecting, but we also try to keep that real, but also really emoji connected, which was a challenge because I think we came up with the term we're working with anagram and it's a term we call talk to the moment. It's like if you do something interactive, for example in VR, you are still someone with a headset on standing or sitting in a room somewhere. That's always like the base relationship. I think stuff is good when you take that really much into account and you don't let you be too much indoctrinated in like how film can really transport you somewhere else and you completely forget yourself because you're always present like acknowledging your presence in the realest way is very important so very simple example like most smartphone orchestra pieces start with something in the vein of here you are staring at your smartphone again or staring at your phone again because actually oh you realize oh actually that's what i'm doing and that's kind of keeping it real so we're also with questions that we want to make people connect we try to keep it close to what you're actually doing and that's that sort of very severe and strict towards each other to keep form and function like as close as possible because otherwise it doesn't make sense and there's other stuff you can tell stories with like film or books or podcasts yeah I really appreciated the way that I felt like at the end of the experience I felt like I was able to feel more connected to the group but also to get into this altered state of consciousness by jumping around and there's this embodied interactions that you have people do that are kind of silly like jump up and down and say a word and it's near the end where you have this rapid cycling of what ended up being a bit of a cacophony there's other people that were not fully synchronized but there was pockets of people that were stepping through these series of actions that created this chaos in some ways but you know overall the experience that i had at least was that by using the phones you were able to have us have it as a mode of communicating with other people, but also to connect to other people through these games and this whole arc. And that by the end of it, it just felt like a really fun, light, joyful experience that did make me feel more connected. And it was a great way to start the festival. So I feel like this is a type of experience that would be a great kickoff to the beginning of some group of people that are coming together. Yeah. yeah, I think that's also why we have kind of like a business model potential. We're struggling getting it off the ground now at this moment because it's actually a lot of work to do all the bookings and make sure that goes well. But this is like we're playing a lot at corporate events and stuff that people go to because people come together. And again, that proves my vision, if you will, that this is a huge thing. People want to come together and do stuff. And with devices we have, we can guide them in completely new ways. It's, it's huge. Just a, a technical question. It's shown on the web browser. How do you synchronize everything? Because it seemed to be pretty synced across the music and everything, and I know that can't always be an easy thing to do. So how do you keep track of time on these browsers? Well, this is not so hard, this one. This is not synchronized, actually. It's just the prompts are sent out at the same time. That's it. Like, when we did the musical pieces, we went to great lengths of creating an algorithm that would, like, measure everyone's phone's moment at that time and then go back and forth and adjust the time and then synchronize them beautifully, which was also a design challenge because at a certain point we realized like, oh, wait a second, all the iPhones, they are tight because they have the same hardware and software. So you can really trust them that what they will do. And then 
the Androids, because there's different manufacturers of Androids, they're all over the place. So we started to compose music in a way like the iPhones would do the percussion and the stuff that need to be tight, and the Androids do all like the pads and every stuff that doesn't matter if it starts facing. So that was actually fun because that gave you really like, what am I doing? Well, I can only do this, so that's always easier to create like that. So what's next for you for what type of things you want to explore, what kind of themes or stories that you want to tell with a smartphone orchestra or other art that you want to create in the future? Well, a piece that I'm super enthusiastic about, we just made the first prototype in the face of we just applied for some money, we'll apply for more soon, is a piece called Ancestors. And Ancestors is a smartphone orchestra piece, so you will get into the venue. You'll be asked through your phone to make a selfie. Either we make a selfie or still figuring it out. And then you stand in a circle, you're in a group of like roughly 32 people. Might be more, might be a little bit less. And then you hold up your phone and a voice comes from all the phones. And that's a female voice and she's from the future. And she has something very important to tell you. And then a photo appears on your phone. And this is, for example, if I'm there and you are there, I see you on my phone and you see me. And we have to find each other. And then we have this short moment after finding each other of sort of dance, which is actually a mating ritual, but we don't know that yet. And then all of a sudden, ping, a new photo appears on our phone and it's our child. Because with the algorithm, we created a mix of our faces. And this is actually like, I don't know, how old are you? I'm 46. Okay, so this will be like a roughly 46-year-old man. And we have to decide a name for this man. And then we have to think about what will his job be in the future. So we think about the future, but we also get to know each other through these questions. And after like five minutes and a couple of questions or so, another photo appears on our phones. And we have to find two other people with the same picture on their phones. Like for example, these two people standing there. And we find them and they have the same picture. So there's four phones with the same picture and this is our grandchild. So we're gonna have a conversation. What do we want for a grandchild? And so we gradually create one big family out of all the audience members, which is actually the family of the descendant that was talking to us in the beginning. And uh, we tried this out and it was really wonderful how people also, again, through these faces and this hypothetical idea of having a child together, you connect in a really different way, in an original way, and also creates this feeling like, wait a second, we are sharing life here and now, and this is it. And actually, we're also, everything we do relates to the future. Like, it's actually quite moralistic, but yeah, we need that now. And if we find silly and fun and original ways to make people aware of that we got to fix this, then I think I'm not wasting my time. Sounds really fun and amazing. I can't wait to try that out as well. But yeah, I guess as we wrap up, I'm curious what you think the ultimate potential of these different types of immersive media might be and what they might be able to enable? Well, every technology is always a double-edged sword. So I don't think the smartphone arcs is, it's hard to use it in a bad way. So for example, one thing I think it can enable and that's basically what you do, you bring a group of people together in unity of space and time. And then you put this digital network between them and then actually because you put this digital network between you can start seeing actually what happens really between us where we are mediated by a party that might have different stakes than us which happens on every digital platform like we are mediated by people by companies with different stakes than ourselves that's the experiment what we're doing with society at this moment which is huge and i think the smartphone also can be a tool to figure this out in a better way because a group of people together is the reference network 
we add the digital network and we can start testing what happens here for real. So I think it can be a tool like that. Then I think it can just be a tool to have fun. You know, this could be like, I wouldn't mind if at a certain Mattel would pay a billion to what we created and create the next hit games in the future. It could happen. I do really believe in this potential and it's kind of fun that hardly anyone sees it. I hope I will be as far that I could make this exit <laughs> before people start stealing the idea. Awesome. Is there anything else that's left and said that you'd like to say to the broader immersive community? To the broader XR community? Well, I just really love our community. I've been a musician and a musician is kind of a scene kind of thing too. And when I got into this scene a couple of years ago, it felt like there's so many brilliant and fun, loving and warm and intelligent and creative people that I just, I love us and we should grow. I don't know, it's like, yeah, this would be my last thing. See, I just try to create people together and have fun. That's what I do. Cool. Well, Steya, thanks so much for creating the Smartphone Orchestra and all these different social dynamic experiments with music. It's a great way to start the Tribeca experience, I think, with this one of the first pieces that I saw and just a great way to bring people together and, yeah, just had a, a great time seeing it all. I'd love to talk with you more, Kent. Not now, because I have to prepare a performance. But I think you... Like, one of the reasons I love doing this so much is the dramaturgy of it. Like, figuring out the dramaturgy, how do we make this stuff work? That's why I love VR. AR and Smartphone Orchestra, which is also XR in my sense, because it's immersive, it's involving you. I would really like to um, have a deeper conversation about really dramaturgy, because I think you should have a lot of knowledge. Yeah, I think there's certain moments, like at the very beginning, there's a moment when you have, like, where are you at? And you have, like, a heartbreak, and you have people dancing. And so it's interesting to think about what happens to the people who are in a place of heartbreak. Do they get a different experience. It didn't seem like there was any tuning to that, but that'd be an interesting thing. Totally. Like, this is like, we are we are one eye in a world of blind people. We're trying to get that one eye open. There's so much potential. Like, we create this, and again, you have this idea. And I think it relates to a, an ID, which I don't think is a real ID yet. I call it mood conductor at this moment. Imagine we could go into a venue and everyone brings his mood in a way. So you have a set of questions that's measuring your mood. And then that mood kind of controls the music that what the orchestra is playing or the DJ is playing or the AI is playing and then that will change us and then we have this feedback loop between how our mood was and then the music is changing us until we maybe have some moment of that like, hey wait a second we are kind of feeling this some sort of thing so it's an idea it's a thought it's not an idea yet I would say but but it's in the same vein like sharing what we bring I hear a lot of co-creators talk about rituals, about shamanism, about healthcare, and I think that is a natural evolution of what we are doing, because if we create work that is about the person that's undergoing or experiencing the work, we all ask ourselves, what can we add to this person? And then you kind of get into like shamanism and helping someone, and I think that's very interesting. It could become really pretentious as well, but yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of interesting ground to explore there as well. Yeah, I think the main theme I'd say is what are the emergent potentialities to create the perfect experience for people for wherever they're at, which is difficult when you have a big group. Because right now it feels like emoji has got a certain tone and that the tone is pretty consistent regardless of whatever mood you're coming in with. And so 
you lose agency as a creator for what story is being told, but are there ways to modulate people's experiences in a way that creates emergent dynamics between them that is novel and unique and perfect for that moment, and it's different every time. So that's sort of my thoughts of where you're at now and where it could go in the future. So. Yeah, we can certainly have a chat more about what that means later, but I know you have a performance to go get ready for, and I've got some other interviews I'm going to go run off to, but I just I really appreciate that. Yeah, I so. really love that. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me here on the podcast. So thank you. You're very welcome. And thanks for having me. So that was Steya Halema. He's the creative director and artist, and he's creating stories about people who are undergoing the story, which is experiences. So he's an experience designer and storyteller and a musician and the founder of the Smartphone Orchestra. So I have another prevent takeaways about this interview is that, first of all, so this experience was a lot of fun, exploring the kind of emergent dynamics with emojis as a form of language and allowing people to connect to each other and having little games where people are picking their favorite emojis. So you'd pick emoji and then you would show your screen to the people around you to show what your selection was. And then you would connect people with each other by having this mechanic where you have a certain emoji on the screen and you have to find someone else with that emoji on the screen and there's sound effects that are happening all at the same time. You have charades where you have one emoji on one side and then you have an option of four emojis where people have to communicate with each other. And then just starting to explore different kind of group dynamics and synchrony at the end. And overall, it just felt like an experience that was a lot of fun. It was lighthearted, also allowed to create these emergent in-group, out-group, almost like using emojis as a way of expressing your character or your mood at the moment or your temperament as a person. And yeah, just the way that we use emojis generally to be able to communicate with each other. There was this really interesting moment at the beginning where it was asking you, like, what kind of mood are you in? Are you in a dance emoji mood? Are you in a heartbreak type of mood? And it felt like the tone of the experience didn't really afford for people who may have not been in the lighthearted party favor icebreaker type of mood. I think it would be interesting to see how you start to look at different ways that people maybe feel a bit more extroverted or introverted, or maybe they feel sad or happy. You know, if there's different ways of clustering people together or to take people down a customized journey to pair people up who maybe are in the same mood or different moods, just a lot of opportunities to customize the experience to a lot of different types of experience that you could do within a social dynamic. So I feel like there's a lot of potential there to see how you kind of have these type of emergent dynamics with people because there's a lot of chance operations that are happening here, but also people may already know each other or may not know anybody in the room. And so that's kind of an activity that allows people to both connect to each other and express themselves, but also to play around with other folks. And so this icebreaker framing of an experience like this, I think is very well suited, but also has a lot of potential, I think, to go in a lot of different types of directions for how to explore these types of emergent social dynamics. So yeah, and there's a whole other aspect of the music, which I feel like this piece, like Staya said, there wasn't any synchronized music that's happening. It's all just stuff that's being pushed out from the server. There's also a lot of stuff where you have to emergently connect to people in order to connect to them. Then you have to turn on your phone and then shoot a QR code and then it matches you up in a dyad exchange that's happening in a larger group context of hundreds of people. So being able to create these clusters of four people or a couple of people and big group experiences. So yeah, I feel like there's a lot of potentials for where this could go in the future and also just the sound dimension of it, the spatial audio that happens with these sound effects that are happening all around you. So like I said, this piece was much less focused on that spatialized audio experience from people's phones, but much more into the emergent social dynamics. 
So that's all I have for today. And I just wanted to thank you for listening to the Voices of VR podcast. And if you enjoy the podcast, then please do spread the word, tell your friends, and consider becoming a member of the Patreon. This is a listener-supported podcast, and so I do rely upon donations from people like yourself in order to continue to bring this coverage. So you can become a member and donate today at patreon.com slash Voices of VR. Thanks for listening.